Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 16. Joshua chapter 16, we continue our study through the Old Testament. Uh, and we continue here. Now, remember, um, this uh, these later passages in the book of Joshua, we are studying the inheritance of the land. Remember the promises of God unto, unto Abraham, uh, but then uh, the promises unto, unto uh, Moses in terms of the instructions given to Moses, uh, Moses passing them on to Joshua. And then at the same time, understand that this inheritance, remember in Deuteronomy 9, it's not because you're awesome, because you are a stiff-necked people, remember? We study. And so we see these uh, 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 the fulfillment of the inheritance of this land, the land of milk and honey, but then now you see how deeds need to be done. Uh, you know, you see the promises of God unto Abraham, instruction to Moses, and then you see the obedience of Joshua. But then at the same time, you see the deeds now, you know, the steps of the feet to the works of the hands. And I love that when you, when you see the promises of God, but then you see the fulfillment through deeds. It's very important for us as believers because, you know, faith and works, they're together. They cannot be separated. Remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, you've been with us in our study in the book of James, but we'll get there eventually in, 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 in as we continue through the New Testament. But if you've been with us for a while and you remember our study through the book of James, it, it's inseparable. The two are inseparable, faith and works. You see, and it's not that we're saved by works in terms of like the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses where it's like, oh, I need 10 converts today or I need 100 converts a month or I need, you know, uh, 200 in a year. It's not like that. We're not trying to earn our way uh, to heaven, you know, but we're saved by works in terms of being hearers of the words, hearers of the word of God and doers of the word. The two are together. Because we can't read the Bible and just, you know, uh, live like the old nature, the old man, the old woman. You can't read the Bible and then live like your old nature. That's not good. That's not faith and works. It's not trying to say that, you know, we're trying to earn our way to heaven. It's just, let's just be obedient. Let's just be obedient to the word of God. Obedient to the Lord. You see, and a lot of times people call that legalism. They confuse legalism with, with obedience. You see, and it's very important to make these distinctions for our own walks with the Lord, for my walk with the Lord, for your walk with the Lord. You know, there is this aspect of not just obedience, but through obedience to the word of God. Now you have the effectuators of promises unto the Lord. Because, I mean, I don't mean to... To, to, to suggest heresy in saying this. But the promises of God unto Abraham and then the word spoken to Moses. If Joshua and the second generation of Israel didn't do anything, if they just leaned on the promises, and I, I don't want to say that to suggest that we can't lean on the promises, but if they just, you know, we're just, we're not going to do anything because Lord, your promises, your word says this and you said this, so we're not going to do anything, then there wouldn't be entry into the promised land. And, you know, I don't mean to suggest like, you know, you, you, you might hear that and you'd be like, well, wait a second, can we not lean on the promises of God? And I don't, 
I don't mean to say it like that, but in one sense, I do mean to say it like that because it's so easy, it's so basic. Because the, the, the natural answer would be no, absolutely not. I mean, if, if, if Joshua and Israel just says, okay, everybody pull up a chair, we're just going to sit down right here and we're going to lean on the promises of God. Well, the effectuation of entry into the promised land wouldn't happen. You see? And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. Not to say that, oh, you know, I got to have 10 converts in this month. I got to have 100 converts this year and then I can get to heaven. No. That's works-based salvation. And we don't have a works-based salvation, but there is, you know, faith and works which are inseparable. Remember James, he says, some people say, I have the gift of, you know, I have the gift of faith. I have the gift of works. And he says the two are inseparable. Faith without works is dead. Without works is dead. You see? And people say, well, and then, you know, we don't have a works-based salvation. But when James, when, when James uh, explains this, what does he refer to? He refers, refers to Abraham and Isaac. And when you read the passage in, with Abraham and Isaac, everything that Abraham does is as the Lord tells him. When James points to Abraham and you see the Lord speak and then you see Abraham do. You see the Lord speak and you see Abraham do. And that's the example that Brother James gives us. Brother James says, listen, you say you have faith. This guy says he has works. He says, I will show you my faith by my works. The two are inseparable. You see? Because the Bible says X, Y, Z. What do you and me do? X, Y, Z. The Bible says one, two, three. What do you and me do? One, two, three. The Bible says A, B, C. What do you and I do? A, B, C. You see? We are the ones that align ourselves to the word of God in yielding to the word and yielding to the spirit. Remember, the spirit of the Lord guides in the truth of God's word. You see, the Spirit of the Lord. There are many spirits and many Christs. Remember, one of the signs of the last days is many Christs. Just like we say from time to time, you take a lineup of a hundred Christs. Who is the real Christ? The Bible says his word is above his name. That means 99 are fake. You take a thousand Christs. That means 999 are fake. There is only one. And the only way he can be identified is his word. You see? And when Jesus says there are many Christs, and you know, and when Paul says, inspired of the Spirit, when he says, I fear for you because you might well put up with them, these pseudodelphos, these servants of Satan, pseudodelphos is fake brethren, false brethren, pseudo, and then delphos. Fake brothers, uh, the fake brethren, they come in. Remember, they spy in. They come in as spies. Remember our study in Galatians? They come in as spies to bring into bondage. And in, in 2 Corinthians, when Paul says, I fear for you because these guys came come in and you might well put up with it, but they come in with another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. And the spirit of the Lord always guides in the truth of God's word. Always. 
I mean, when somebody says, yeah, I'm a Christian and I just feel it in my heart. I just feel it in my bosom that I, sh- the spirit is directing me to go grave soaking. You see, they can say they're a Christian. They can say it all they want. Oh, but the spirit is directing me. The spirit is leading me to go grave soaking. Now, grave soaking here has referenced that quite a bit, but if you're a new li- listener, what's happening with the, in Christianity, grave soaking is when, uh, uh, you go to the, I'm not advocating this, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes I say grave soaking and the new listeners are, well, what did he say? Grave soaking? What is that? So grave soaking, I'm not saying do this. This is an abomination before the Lord, but Christians are doing it. They go to the cemetery and they go to the gravesite of dead Christians. And they lay on the gravesite of these people who are dead. They lay on the gravesite. And the reason is to soak up the Holy Spirit that was in them. That's grave soaking. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord is with the living. You will find a spirit at the grave, but not the Holy Spirit. This is demonic activity. This is satanic activity and abomination before the Lord. And yet these are things that Christians are doing, sanctioned by churches, large churches, global churches. It's happening. Grave soaking. And pastors are saying, hey, everybody, God bless you. We love you. Let's go to grave soaking. Youth groups, hey, get in the bus. You know, we're going to take all the kids and we're going to go grave soaking. Oh, and the parents, you know, you know, they abdicate their parental responsibilities and say, okay, well, he's the pastor, you know, so, you know, kids go listen what he says. You got to, you know, obey them. You know, the Bible says, you know, to, to submit to the pastor. So, hey, you know, baby girl, go ahead and do that. You know, my son, go ahead and do that. And you see how parents are sanctioning these activities because of stupidity, idiotes, without understanding. Do you think they're without excuse? Absolutely not. Remember, for parents, dads, the buck stops with you. Biblically, the buck stops with you. And a lot of parents just, hey, well, you know, he's the youth leader. These are the youth ministers. This is, you know, this is the pastor. So, you know, do what he says. The Bible says we have to submit to the pastor. So do what he says. Yes, the Bible says submit yourself to a pastor because they watch out for your soul. But, you know, in our pastoral epistles, our Sunday studies, there's a very, very, very specific formula and recipe for pastors so that you and me, so that we can know who is it, who is the man that is qualified, that meets the biblical standard and the biblical qualifications so that you and me can know who is it that we can safely submit ourselves to. You see? Because once you understand the pastoral epistles, and you know, sometimes you oh, you're too hardcore. Well, how dare you say that? This is a godly man. Well, the Bible indicates, you know, let's look at the Bible. You say he's a godly man. Let's look what the Bible says. Okay, this, 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 A, B, C, one, two, three, one, two, three, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Sorry, he doesn't meet the qualifications. You can call him godly all you want. You can call him righteous. You can call him holy. But I read the Bible and know he is an abomination. He is a wolf. He is a hireling. You see? The Bible teaches us. The Bible shows us. So yes, it is absolutely beautiful to submit to a pastor because they watch out for your soul. But we, you and me, we must understand who is the one that is biblically qualified to pastor. 
I'm a pastor. The word pastor is noun and verb. It is a biblical truth for Christians to submit themselves to a pastor. Noun. Noun. But is that pastor qualified, biblically qualified, to pastor? Verb. To shepherd. Verb. You see? The Bible teaches us. The Bible shows us. And so we have this Old Testament example of promises of God unto Abraham. Instructions, the word being spoken to Moses. And then Moses passing it on to Joshua. And then Joshua with the elders, with the the, 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 the uh, leadership. And they do. They cross into the promised land. They enter into the promised land. So you see, in that embodiment and framework of, I don't like saying process, but I don't know what else to say, this process, this formula, promise, word, uh, obedience, and then deeds. And through that framework, you have effectuation. It's the same for you and me. I and you too. I'm assuming I can't speak for you, but I'm almost positive that you love the promises of the Lord. I love the promises of the Lord. And we, as a people of the way, we love, love, love the promises of the Lord. They're beyond beautiful, beyond it's so desirable. Like, you know, the promises of the Lord, if, you know, this flesh is what separates us from the promises of the Lord in terms of paradise, in terms of glorified bodies, it's like, hey, take my life. I, I, you know, I don't want it. Somebody says, oh, you're a Christian. We're going to chop off your head. Here, you know, you lift up your head. Here, take it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Take it. But before you do, you know, God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. But, you know, Hey, take it. I don't want it. We love the promises of the Lord. And to be in love with the promises of the Lord, understand for that, for the effectuation of those promises unto us, unto you, unto me, something needs to happen. I can't say, you can't say, well, I love the promises of the Lord. Let's go do crack. Oh, we love the promises of the Lord. Let's go to the strip club. Oh, we love the promise of the Lord. Let's go get drunk. Oh, we love the promise of the Lord. Let's go, you know, worship Buddha. We love the promises of the Lord. Let's go worship Mary. Let's go do the Ouija boards. Let's go do our yoga. That doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. We love the promises of the Lord. And for the effectuation of those promises unto you and me, obedience. Obedience. Now, Within the framework of obedience, we must understand the covenants and the rules of engagement within the covenants. Because without that understanding, Christians are seduced into the law. Remember our study in Galatians? You see, we have to understand covenants. You and me, we do not abide in the old covenant. To abide in the old covenant is to exit Jesus Christ. You see? 
We abide in Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean it's a free for all? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a, you know, I don't have to do the law. I don't have to do this. I don't do that. Do that. I don't. Have... Listen, it's true that there are certain things in the law that we do not do. Why? Because we're abiding in Christ. And I've had these conversations with the Hebrew roots people, and they they get very heated. I mean, the, the most death threats I get are from the Hebrew roots because it's the rules of engagement under the law. Oh, that's heresy. We're going to kill you. You see, it's the rules of engagement under the law. Oh, but the Bible says we got to do this. We got to do this. Now, it's true that Jesus partook of and Jesus performed certain things in the law as the fulfillment of the law. But when you look at the, I mean, forgive me for putting it like this. When you look at his spleen, when you look at his lungs, when you look at his heart, that that beat in his chest, when you look at his, uh, 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 I, I, don't, I don't know organs too well, but when you look at his, like, uh, his voice box, when you look at all the inner parts of our Lord in his earthly ministry, Did they do the law? I mean, it sounds so cheesy to say it like that, but let's be straight up. Did they do the law? You see, did his lungs observe the Sabbath? I mean, you might be listening and be like, what? This guy is crazy. Lung, the, the, the lungs of Jesus observing the Sabbath? Uh, the, the, the spleen of Jesus, you know, uh, uh, eating certain foods? It's impossible. Lungs can't eat. Spleens can't eat. But was the law applicable to his lungs, to his spleen, to his heart, to his toes, to his fingers? Was the law applicable to those things? The answer is no. You, you're listening and you're like, this guy, I don't, what is he talking about? The, the spleen of Jesus? It's ridiculous. Bingo. Bingo. Why? Because they're inside of his body. It's ridiculous. You see? And it's the same for you and me. We are the ones who abide in Jesus. Remember, the law. It is still in effect. The law is still in effect today. And the wages of sin is death. But there is only one who is qualified to effectuate the penalty of the law. And it's Jesus Christ. And he will. But before he does, there's mercy and grace. Remember in the law, to lead with love. Remember in the law, when we, we studied Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. To lead with love. To lead with grace. To lead with mercy. I mean, I don't want to you know, sound carnal in saying this, but if you and me were physical carnal warriors and we're taking over a town... And then all of a sudden, it's like, listen, we're going to take over your town. We're going to, you know, send the leaflets. We're going to take over your town. You choose. 
do you want to align yourself with us or not? You see? And then balls in their court. People choose. Now, that's very carnal. And I don't mean to suggest any kind of superiority in saying that. But I'm just saying it like that's what the law says. Remember, Israel, this is second generation. They, this isn't first generation because of their uncleanliness. Dead. Second generation. Now, with Achan, they lost. So it's a very specific people that can perform this. It's not just run-of-the-mill guy. No, this is somebody who meets the qualifications in order for victory to be effectuated. You see, remember when in, in Deuteronomy, when the, you know, the Lord says, I will not forsake you. But then like in the same chapter, he says, I'm going to forsake you. Now you read that and you're like, well, what did the Lord change his mind? No, he didn't change his mind. The people changed their heart. The people changed their heart. It's true. I will not forsake you. That's what the Lord says. I will not forsake you. But see, that promise, I will not forsake you. In order for that promise to be effectuated, there's obedience there's deeds that need to happen there's obedience that needs to happen that doesn't happen then that formula no longer applies you see in the same chapter the lord says i will not forsake you but then boom boom the lord says one two three and the people do you know xyz it doesn't fit so what happens okay well, I will not forsake you. That was through obedience. That was if you were obedient. But because of disobedience, now I will forsake you. The Lord never changed his mind. The Lord never changes. The problem is the formula in the heart, in the minds of the people. You see? But it's the same for you and me. It's the exact same for you and me. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out. That's what the Lord Jesus says. You read the red letters in, 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 in Revelation 2 and 3. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out. In the body and then expelled from the body. How does a person become expelled from the body of Christ? Well, disobedience. You see? Disobedience. Because those inside, abiding in Christ, promises are effectuated. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But to be vomited out, that's a forsaking. And that's what Jesus says to churches, to the church. I mean, the Lord never changes. It's very important to understand this framework. That yes, the law is still in effect today. But when you abide in Christ, you are no longer under the law. You are in Christ. Just like his spleen, just like his lungs, just like his heart. Do they perform the things of the law? You say, that's stupid. You're, his spleen, how could his spleen eat? How can his lungs observe this? Bingo. Bingo. How can a person abiding in Christ observe those things when they're inside the body of Christ? Now, to be expelled from the body of Christ is to be under the law. You see? To be vomited out from the body of Christ, as Jesus says, is to be under the law. And what is under the law? Death. 
You see? The law is still in effect. It's not over. But the law is over for those abiding in Christ. Remember our study in, 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 in 1 Timothy? The law is not made for a righteous person. You see? But for the wicked. What is righteousness? Abiding in Christ. You see? And then comes the effectuation of inheritance for you and for me and for those who abide in Christ for a people of the way. And we have these Old Testament examples in Joshua 16 in these, you know, Old Testament examples in the inheritance passages of the book of Joshua. So Joshua 16 verse 1. The lot fell to the children of Joseph. Now, remember, the land and inheritance to the tribes was by lot. God is no respecter of persons. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. There is no favoritism. It's not like, okay, you guys are rich, so you get the awesome parts of the land. You guys are poor, so here you go on the other side of the train tracks. You guys are handsome. You guys, you people are, you know, handsome and pretty. So you get, you, you are, you know, you get this awesome part, you know, by the ocean, you know. Uh, no, doesn't work that way. You're ugly. So, you know, you get this other part or, you know, you guys are fat. So you can live over here. No, no favoritism. God is no respecter of persons. And so when we look at this inheritance in, 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 in Joshua 16, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, these are the children of, jo of ch children of Joseph. In verse 1, the lot fell to the children of Joseph. And this is Manasseh and Ephraim. Remember, in, in our study in Genesis, the younger Ephraim was blessed first by Jacob. And then Reuben, Simeon, and Judah. You see? Remember our study last week about inheritance? Judah was before Manasseh and Ephraim. Very important to understand. For my rabbinical friends, my Jewish friends, I love you. But don't forget, before Jacob blessed Reuben, Simeon, and Judah, who did he bless? Manasseh and Ephraim. Of the two, who was blessed first? Ephraim. These are facts. These are realities that have major implications for you and me today, to my Jewish friends, for you and me today. These are major, major, major implications for you and me today, my Jewish, my beloved Jewish friend. And we continue. Verse 1, the lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains of Bethel. Then went out from Bethel to Luz, passed along to the border of Archites at Ataroth, and went down westward to the boundary of the Japhletites as far as the boundary of lower Beth-Horon to Geser, and it ended at the sea. Now, if you have a, a map, some Bibles have maps in the back, you know, at the very end, you know, you, you open it and you see like, you know, all these different maps and you might see like a map of the, the tribes of Israel, the, 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 how the land is divvied out. Now, remember that this land, this inheritance that we're looking at in Joshua 16 
It's Ephraim and Manasseh together. Ephraim and Manasseh together, because we're we're seeing like the lot, the the uh, how you know like the lot and the lot, you know the lot like you know uh, casting lots, but then the lot in terms of like the actual land space, so lot and lot. But the lot is this is the children of Joseph. So picture like uh, 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 like you and me. Say you and me inherit the state of. Uh, Arkansas. You and me, we inherit the state of Arkansas. Okay, so there's the border of Arkansas and it's for you and me. But then, okay, now how is that land portioned out for between you and me? So, you know, I get one half, you get the other half. Or I get a third and you get the other part. You know, I'm terrible at math, but you know, I get a tenth and you get whatever that is. But you know, <laughs> that, that's how, that that's what we're looking at here. Where you see the entirety of uh, 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 the inheritance unto Manasseh and Ephraim, but then we take a little closer look. Okay, how is this divvied out? It's like that Arkansas example. You and me, we inherit Arkansas, and you know, I get half, and you get half. And what does that border look like? And that's what we're looking at here. And so we see here in verse four. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, took their inheritance. Remember, it's by lot. Now. How is the land divvied out? Now, it's like the Arkansas example, okay? So you guys get Arkansas, like you and me, we get Arkansas. Now, what are the borders of Arkansas? <coughs> Excuse me. What are the borders of Arkansas? You see? And that's what we're looking at here. So, you know, here's the land for Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, how is this land divvied out? Now we see in verse 5, the border of the children of Ephraim. According to their families. Now, a little uh, a side note. I mentioned Arkansas. Now, if you're listening and you're not in America and you're not familiar, familiar, like what is Arkansas? It's a state in the United States. You know, some, you know, we have listeners in different parts of the world and some communities. You know, like I'm not familiar with the cities and states and the regions of every single country. And so, if you're listening, you're like, what is Arkansas? It's a state in the United States of America. So, if you're listening and you're like, what is Arkansas? You know, that's what it is. Little. Just to explain that. In verse 5, the border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was thus. The border of inheritance on the east side was Ataroth, Adar, Adar, as far as, as far as upper Beth Horon. And the border went out toward the sea on the north side of Mithmathath. Then the border went around eastward to Tanath Shiloh and passed by it on the east of Janoha. Then it went down from Janoha to Ataroth and Nara, reached to Jericho and came out at the Jordan. Now, some maps, some maps, I'm just going to be straight up and say this. Some maps are straight up wrong. They're drawn out wrong. Especially when you look at waterways and towns. Now, if you have a thorough map and you know you follow along, and, and you, like if, if you open up maps during these studies in in, in in these chapters of Joshua, and you follow along with your finger, and you go from town to town to town to town to town, so you might realize that you know you might have a map that is drawn out wrong, because how these borders are explained in the word. That's what we go by. What the word says. We don't go by what 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 a person has drawn on a map. You know, we we don't we don't go by that. Now we see here in verse eight, the border went out to went out from Tapua, 
Tapua, westward on to the brook Cana, and it ended at the sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. So just like that Arkansas example, you saw, you know, you and me, we get Arkansas. Now, how was that divvied out? I get a third and you get the rest. You know, you get half, you get, you know, two thirds and I get the rest. You get half and I get half. How was that divvied out? And that's what we see here. This is Ephraim now. So in, in, in Joshua 6, 6, 16, it's Ephraim and Manasseh. But then we have, you know, this is for Ephraim. And this is in verse 8, according to their families. Now, most maps, most maps don't have Ephraim touching the waters. But in verse 7, we see at the end of verse 7, and came out at the Jordan, Jordan River. So it's touching the water. And in verse 8, we see here that it went westward to the brook Cana and it ended at the sea. So it's touching the ocean. Now, most maps, you'll be hard-pressed to find a map that is biblically accurate. They might have one tribe right, but then, you know, another tribe wrong or multiple tribes wrong. Multiple tribes right and you'll be hard-pressed to find a biblically accurate accurate map now i don't say that to claim any type of you know the salvation issue this isn't a salvation issue to say okay well you know this map is wrong and i'm gonna burn in hell no it's not not like that at all but i only say it to highlight the importance of god's holy word the logos what does the bible say because according to the bible Ephraim, if you're looking at a map, it should touch both waters. It should touch both waters, the Jordan and the sea. But most maps don't have this. And it's not a salvation issue. It's only to highlight the importance of the Word of God. You and me, we align ourselves to the Word of God. Now, some maps, you know, make sure you look at the map. If you're looking at a map, make sure when you look at the map, make sure that, you know, some maps, it'll say like, you know, these are the tribes of Israel, but it is, you know, uh, you look at the time frame. You know, during, you know, uh, uh, prior to Assyrian captivity, prior to Babylonian captivity or post-Babylonian captivity, because these borders change these borders adjust and so some maps you know they'll indicate well this is you know at this time period or prior to this or post this or before this or after this and so if you follow along and you study the maps and you know you study these borders not a salvation issue but it's very difficult to find a biblically accurate map and so sometimes people look at maps and they say, well, you know, this land is like this. And so how can this be where the Bible says this? Well, we go by the Bible, the logos. We go by the word of God. Somebody might draw out maps. I mean, you look at like, you know, you look at like maps, like the old school maps, like the explorers when people would go on their voyages and they explore. And like, oh, this is a map of the United States of America. And it looks like a blob. And it's like, well, it's, it's, it's not an accurate. Well, because that's how they drew it out according to their knowledge base. That's how they drew it. You know, they don't, now we have satellites and all these things, and but they didn't have that back in the day. So they would like you know, you know, float across, you know, uh, navigate their boats and navigate their vessels, and they'd go like through the uh, uh, certain areas, certain regions, and they say, okay, this is 
This is what Florida looks like. This is what the new land. This is what the Americas look like. This is what India looks like. This is what, you know, South America looks like. And you look at the old school maps and you're like, what in the world? That's not even, that's not enough. That's just like a blob, you know? So, but the same thing applies how people draw out maps. You and me, we go by what the Bible says. The word of God. The word of God is our ultimate authority in all things pertaining to life, in all things pertaining to holiness and instruction and righteousness in everything. Everything, which is a choice. I'm just saying, you know, you and me, that's what we do, but it's a choice. I can't force you. You can't force me. You and me, we choose. We choose. Why? Because we want to remember the challenge that was posed in our study in Leviticus to start thinking of our lives and to consider our lives as an aroma. Now, what aroma do you and me want to present to the Lord? Forget everything else and everybody else. They have their own choices. You know, balls in their court. They can do whatever they want. Now, it's not to say that we like it. You know, they, they're going to go do crack and we like it. They're going to go do the strippers and the prostitutes and the Buddha and the Ouija boards and the occult and we're going to like it. No, it's going to paint us. But they're free to do whatever they want. They balls in their court. But as for you and me, as for you and me, our lives, our minds, our bodies, our heart, our soul, a sweet, the very embodiment of our very essence in these temples. What do we choose it to be? What aroma do we choose to be? We choose to be a sweet aroma. Unto the Lord. And unto the Lord only. You see? That's the choice that we make. I mean, I, I made it for me and you make it for you. But we can't force it upon anybody. You can't force it to spouse, to child. Remember, you know, you want to raise up, you know, children in the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. But you can't throw them through the door. You see? They're little, you know. Okay, you know, hey, take my hand. You know, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to teach you that. I'm going to pour into you and pour into you. And But they're going to reach, reach a certain age where you, you don't hold hands anymore. They're going to reach, reach a certain age where, you know, they're going to have to enter. You see? It's the same for everybody. Balls in their court. Remember, prophetically speaking, a man's enemies will be those under his own roof. A man's enemies will be those will be under his own roof. I mean, that's balls, balls in their court. You consider everybody under your roof. Balls in their court. Every single person has a choice to make. You can't throw anybody to Jesus Christ. You can't throw anybody to Jesus. You can't throw them through the door. No. But what's so beautiful, remember the faith of the uh, of the uh, 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 the the handicapped guy and his friends, and the faith of the friends, not the handicapped guy, but the faith of the friends because they opened up the roof and they dropped him through. You know, we can gently bring somebody to Jesus Christ, but then they have a choice to make. Balls in their court. That's how it is. That's just straight up. You can't force anybody to the faith. You see? Now, 
Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But the ones who bow willingly, that's beautiful. The ones who are forced down, when they realize that Jesus is Lord, it'll be too late. Too late. It's like the, the foolish virgins. Too late. You see? You and me, we align ourselves to the Word of God. I mean, we don't look at maps and say, okay, well, this is the, the layout of the maps. And so therefore, this is, our, this is our base plate for further studies in the Bible. No, we don't use, we don't go outside the Bible for, you know, foundational, you know, learnings. No, the foundation is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the word of God. What does the Bible say? Okay, you look at the maps. Okay, the Bible's right. The Bible's not wrong. But this map is. That map is. You see? Now, you're like, okay, we get it. Why is he going this far about maps? Because it doesn't just apply to maps only. When the Word of God is our foundation, your foundation, my foundation, when the Word of God is our foundation, the maps can say whatever they want. The maps are crazy town. You see? When the Word of God is our foundation... Pastor can say, hey, let's go grave soaking. That's nice. Go fly a kite. That's not in the word of God. You see? It's not just maps. It's people. It's situations. It's whatever. But when you present your body as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, you're living sacrificially unto him. As a sweet aroma unto him. Which is a choice. It cannot be mandated. Certain things are certain things are a no-brainer. Somebody gives you a call, hey, let's go to the strip club. <laughs> That's not happening. It's a no-brainer. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sweet aroma unto the Lord. I don't want to be filth before the Lord. They can say whatever they want. Oh, we're going to have fun. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's nice. That's disgusting before the Lord. I don't want to be a filth before the Lord. I want to I wanna be beautiful before the Lord. I want to be a sweet aroma. I don't want to be stank before the Lord. I want to be beautiful before the Lord. Oh, you're going too far with this Jesus business. Come on, let's have a good time. You're, going, you're such a legalist. Come on, let's go have a good time. Listen, balls in your court, balls in my court. I made my choice. You see? Hey, it's ladies night, you know, come on, you know, we'll get the free drinks, we'll meet these people, we'll do this, we'll do... I don't want to be stank before the Lord. I want to be clean before the Lord. I want to be pure before the Lord. I want to be a sweet aroma before the Lord. Balls in their court, they can make their choice. Balls in your court, you make your choice. You see? Now you say, well, he's going too far with these maps. We get it. The maps are wrong. We get it. The maps are wrong. It's not just maps. What about when it's pastor? What about when it's elder? Oh, but he's such a nice guy. That's nice. You see, hey, he's such a nice guy and he's funny. You know, he makes me laugh. He does, oh, he's such a nice guy and... That's nice. But remember, the family is open to scrutiny and examination. 
Wife's alcoholic, crazy. You see? Oh, but he's such a nice guy. That's nice. Son and daughter sexually active. Doing the Buddha and the chakras and the formula's not right. You see? Now you see so map is crazy town. Pastor is crazy town. Elder is crazy town. Because you and me, our borders, our borders are found in the word of God, the logos. Those are our borders. Our foundation, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. A very specific framework. Very specific formula. Remember, there's a formula for pastors, a formula for elders, a formula for the pews. What is that formula? Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness, holiness, holiness unto the Lord. You make that choice. And the Lord knows those who are His. He knows. He knows. And we're talking seal of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a blanket statement. Sometimes people say, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, so therefore, you know, I'm automatically sealed by the Lord. Well, I automatically have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget. Don't forget. We've said this many a time. As the book of Acts explains, there are people who believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. That reality obliterates certain doctrines because certain doctrines say, you cannot be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit makes you a Christian. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ unless the Holy Spirit makes you believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit goes into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Oh, but this guy says that the Holy Spirit made me a Christian. So you're a robot? You didn't choose for yourself? Just like the husband-wife example. You know, the wife didn't have a choice. See, a husband gets on his knees and says, you know, hey, babe, will you marry? I mean, maybe not like that, but you know, will you marry me? A guy says that, gets on his knees, will you marry me? Now the lady has a choice to make. She could say, you know, no, I just wanted steak and lobster. Thanks for the steak and lobster. See you later. Or she can say, yes, I will marry you. She made her choice. A guy doesn't pull up and throw a lady in the car and say, hey, you're going to be my wife. No. That's not how it works. And so there are certain doctrines that say you cannot be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit makes you a Christian, which is wrong. Because in the book of Acts, chapter 8, there are Christians, people who believe in Jesus Christ. And it was Peter and John who saw they don't have the Holy Spirit. You see? They laid hands on them. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them. Except for one. And there's a reason for that. Baal was in his court. You see? Baal was in the people's court. 
And the Lord knew those who are his. You see? The Lord knew. So the Holy Spirit knew. They believed in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. And the Lord knew the hearts. This guy is wicked. So, no Holy Spirit. You see? Does that mean that he's predestined for hell? No. Peter told him, repent. Repent of your wickedness. The Peter told him. Peter didn't say, well, you're predestined for hell, so get out of here. Sorry, you know. Sorry, that's, you know, you're predestined for hell, so there's no hope for you. Peter didn't say that. Peter said, repent. And so the problem today is that people in certain denominations, I say certain denominations, but I'll just, I'll just say it. Calvinism, Reformed theology, Reformed theory. You can't be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit makes you a Christian. But in the book of Acts chapter 8, we see Christians without the Holy Spirit. You see? So when you have the, you enter into this false doctrine where, you know, you can't be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit makes you a Christian, which is false doctrine. Now, when that becomes foundational, automatically people think, I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Because look, I go to church. Look, I read my Bible. And I can't do that unless the Holy Spirit makes me do that. You see? There's no seal of the Holy Spirit. Very religious. They have religion. You know, absolutely, they have religion. They have no relationship. How dare you say that? How dare you say I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, the foundation is wrong. The borders of Reformed theology of Calvinism is outside what the Bible teaches. You see, it's very important for you and me. I don't care if you're Mormon, Catholic, you know, J-Dub, you know, Reformed, Calvinist. I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't care. Until, you know, I care like, you know, I care for you. But the religion, I could care less. Whatever belief system, I don't care. If it's not biblical Christianity, you're in trouble. Now, it's not like, you're in trouble, have a nice day, you know, see you later. No, it's, you're in trouble, jump ship. Jump ship. There is a better way. Welcome aboard. You see? You come to Christ, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name. Not what the guy says, you know, hey, let's go grave soaking. No, that's outside the boundaries. It's an abomination. Not what the guy says, study Bible guy. Hey, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. No, that's outside the boundaries. You see? Within the boundaries of the word of God. Because there is an inheritance unto you, unto me. First generation must die, metaphysically speaking. First generation must die. You and me must be born again. You see? Born again. It's beautiful. I mean, when you understand the Bible in context, code text, 
Old Testament, New Testament. It is... I have no words. It's beyond beautiful. But there is a holy framework. And so we continue in our study here in verse 9. The separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. Now, remember, this is Ephraim and Manasseh, the children of Joseph, Gentiles. Now, if you're Jewish or rabbinical, no, they're not. No, they're not. Well, they come from an Egyptian womb. They come from an Egyptian womb. Pre-law for my rabbinical friends. In verse 10, And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Kaser, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and become and, and have become forced laborers. Now, you, you read that, like, are we really going to end at this, you know, forced labor and slavery? Now, translates as placed under tribute. Forced labor placed under tribute. Now, do you remember our pre- prior previous studies in, you know, in Torah? In Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, where the instruction is given to the people to lead by peace. You know, just like the example we gave earlier, say we're warriors. According to the flesh, say we're warriors. And we're, you have like a, a mighty army. Formula's right, and so we're a, a qualified army. No Akins. It's not, you know, we're going to go into town and kill everybody. But we're going to drop the leaflets. Hey, you align with us because if you don't, you know, it's not going to be pretty. You see, we're going to drop the leaflets. We lead with peace. You see? And then the ball's in their court. They have a choice. Now, I'm speaking very carnally in saying that. I'm not saying, you know, you know that, you know, we do that as Christians. Don't, don't you know, get that out of your head if you're thinking that. You know, is this guy saying that we should go and, you know, conquer cities? No. Because, you know, when Jesus sends out his warriors, he says to them, I send you out as sheep among wolves. You see? But in remember, rules of engagement. Rules of engagement under both covenants. The law and under grace. Old covenant, new covenant. Understand the rules of engagement because old covenant is over. I mean, you know, in terms of rules of engagement. As Christians, we don't abide in Christ and perform the rules of engagement under the law. The law is still in effect. That's not over. It's still in effect. But no one is qualified to perform. You know, everybody's an Achan. Everybody's an Achan. You know, where, where, you know, in, in Joshua 7, there was just one Achan. But today, everybody's an Achan. Biblically disqualified disqualified they cannot perform those aspects of the law they cannot do he said well he's a priest he's a priest okay that's nice he's disqualified all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god there is only one who was qualified to perform the justice and judgment side of the law but even he and i'm speaking of jesus christ the fulfillment of the law even he leads with peace as the law states Leads with peace. You know, according to the law. You know, we're, we're, we're warriors, you know, according to the flesh, according to the law. We're warriors, you know, hey, we're going to drop our leaflets. This is going to happen at this appointed time. 
this is gonna happen. Like this town, you you live there, but you know what? It's ours. It's already it's already taken over. I mean, it's not taken over yet, but you know, it's in the bag. You know, it's gonna happen. So we're gonna drop these leaflets, and you need to align with us because if you don't, you know, it's not gonna be pretty. And you know, we're not gonna. You know, that's just how it is. You see, now. When I say it's just how it is, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in terms of leaflets. Now, in the Bible, it's not because we're awesome. Because remember, the Lord says you are a stiff-necked people. It's because of the wickedness of these towns. Now you say, what, what do you mean the wickedness of the towns? Well, remember, for 40 years, Israel was in the wilderness. The 11-day journey became 40 years. But during that 40-year framework... All the surrounding peoples, all the surrounding towns, they could have, they had plenty opportunity to align themselves with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because remember, they didn't mess with Egypt. Egypt was, you know, Pharaoh was God on earth. They didn't mess with Pharaoh. They didn't mess with Egypt. I mean, if you and you and me were residents in the city of Jericho and, you know, you know, like we bowed down to Pharaoh. Because, you know, nobody messed with Pharaoh. He was God on earth and nobody messed with him. And, you know, we bowed down to Pharaoh. And, you know, yes, we might have our mighty warriors. But, you know, the Egyptian, the might of the Egyptians, don't mess with them. You see, we bowed down to Pharaoh. But then all of a sudden, Egypt is reduced to rubble by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there his people are in the wilderness. Now, at that point, you and me, remember, we're citizens of Jericho. We have a choice to make. As, you know, people, you know, it's either, wow, you know, we bowed down to Pharaoh. Nobody messed with Pharaoh. Nobody messed with Egypt. And now he's gone. So it's a free for all. Or... We bow down to Pharaoh. Nobody messed with Pharaoh. We bowed down to Pharaoh and nobody messed with the Egyptians. They were mighty. And now the God of these people in the wilderness, he reduced them to nothing. We bow down to Pharaoh. And the God of these people in the wilderness, he made him nothing. Now, we could either say, well, it's a free-for-all. You know, Pharaoh's gone, so, you know, the Egypt is gone, so, okay, it's a free-for-all. Now, you know, now it's, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to bow down to Pharaoh. Or we could say, if we bow down to Pharaoh and nobody was higher than him and we acknowledged Pharaoh as God, God on earth, what does that say of the God who was above him and made himself known. Now, we could have mulled this over for 40 years. We could have mulled this over for 40 years or 10 years. It's like, wow, it's a free-for-all. We, you know, e Pharaoh's gone. You know, Egypt is reduced to rubble, to nothing. So it's a free-for-all. And then year 11, year 12, you're, you know what? I've been thinking about this. And if we bow down to Pharaoh, why do we not bow down to the one above him? To the one mightier than him? When we certainly did that to Pharaoh. But why are we doing that to the one higher and above him? 
You mean Moses? No. The God of Moses, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know, it's year 11 after the exodus of Israel from Egypt. It's year 11. For five years, 10 years, we thought it was a free-for-all. Okay, Pharaoh's gone. We're going to do live it up. But then year 11, year 12, we start to realize, oh, wait a second. If we bow down to Pharaoh, why don't we bow down to the God who made himself known as being above Pharaoh? And so you look at me, I look at you, and you say, hey, should we jump ship? I look back at you. Hey, let's jump ship. So we leave Jericho and we walk to this tribe, this nomadic tribe. Now, we're probably met by some warriors, but it's not to kill us. I mean, it could be if we say like, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to kill you all. We're just two people. We're going to kill you all. You know, we're probably toast. But if we come out, hey, you know what? We're from Jericho. And, you know, we have our Molex and we have our Bales and we have our Asteres and we want to deny those guys. And we want to align ourselves to you. And not just you, we want to worship your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no one higher than him. There is no God higher than him. We want to worship him as the Almighty. There are laws, statutes for these warriors to welcome us in. You know, probably, you know, there's a, uh, there's a process for that. You know, there, it's not like, okay, you know, here, you know, you know pitch a tent over here. No, you know, there's a process. You know, we have to be clean. We have to be rid of our old ways, our former ways. So now what happens? Okay. Activate the priesthood. You see? And then we learn living that is pleasing unto the Lord, the Lord that we want to worship. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We were, we were born in Jericho. We were raised in Jericho. We bowed down to Pharaoh and we had our gods. And But those are the old ways, the old nature, the old man, the old woman. Those are over. And now we are officially in the camp of Israel. Laws, statutes where you and me can be grafted into the camp. You see? So... You know, when I give the leaflet example, you know, that's 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 the example of, you know, with the 40 years, the door of grace and mercy was open. That could have happened to Jericho, to Ai, to all these towns that could have happened. And in some cases, it did happen. There were people that says, OK, we're done with Baal. We're done with the, the Molex and the Astros. We're done. We're out of here. It happened. But when it didn't happen. Now you come to this inheritance passage in, in, in Joshua, these later passages of Joshua. Now you come into the inheritance side. Now you come into the leaflet side, you know, like, okay, you know, we're dropping the leaflets and, you know, this is what's going to happen and you need to align to us. You see, because now it's now it's no longer the door of grace and mercy because that door is closed. Now it's judgment. Now it's judgment because this, these residual people, these are the worshipers of Baal and Molech and Ashtoreth. These are the worshipers of other gods. 
They had their opportunity when the Lord made himself known, just as you and me jumped ship from Jericho. They had opportunity. You and me, we took that opportunity. Right? We're not messing around, okay? We're, you know, I, 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 I say, you know, like I, 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 you see the, the Red Sea close up and destroy. You say, okay, well, the, you know, that was bad, but, you know, the Lord had me at the frogs. The Lord had me with the, 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 the red water. You know, the Lord had me, at, you know. Once I saw the frogs, I'm done. I got my Molech, I got my Baal, I got my asterisk, but once I saw the frogs, boom, I'm done. I'm convinced. Some people are con convinced that frogs, some people are convinced that the red water, some people are convinced with, you know, the, the bigger steps. When, when the firstborn starts to die, okay, you know, that, you know, red water, you know, I wasn't that convinced, you know, the red, okay, I get it, but the frogs, eh, the hail, eh. Firstborn, okay, I'm done. You see? The water, dry ground, you know, and then it closed up and killed him. Okay, I'm done, done. I'm surely I'm 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 done. I got my Molech, I got my my, my bales, I got my asterisk, and you know, you were done at the frogs, but you were done at the water, you were done at the frogs, you were done at the hail, but no, you know, uh, you know uh, 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 the Lord had me at you know the once the waters closed up and killed everyone, you know. Done. I'm done. No more Molik. No more Baal. No more Ashtoreth. And that's what's going to happen in the last days as the Lord incrementally makes himself known. Just as he did in Egypt. I mean, you take the woman at the well. The woman at the well. The beautiful, beautiful woman at the well. She didn't need to see, you know, hellfire damnation. She, you know, the Lord had her at the water, literally at the water and with the water, literally and spiritually. But for other people, I mean, Jesus, you know, speaking so beautifully with the woman at the well, but then, you know, woe to you, Chorazin, Bethsaida, people hear that and they're like, whoa, okay, I'm done. Different. And then, you know, when when the when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, you know, you whitewash tombs, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Picture the ears hearing that. Who is this guy who speaks with such authority? Okay, I'm done. I'm convinced. Woman at the well, I'm convinced. Jesus speaks on deeper things and more profound things. Okay, I'm done. You know, he had me there. And that's what's so beautiful about the fish. And when we understand that framework, you know, to go fishing for like, you know, a, a, a minnow. Beautiful. To go fishing for tuna. Beautiful. A little more challenging. I mean, I shouldn't say a little more challenging. A lot more challenging. I mean, you can go fishing for a minnow with yarn. You can't do that with tuna. You see? As the Lord makes himself known, the very same things are going to happen. So when you hear us speak about, you know, dropping leaflets and, you know, this is how it's going to be. And, you know, it's not like a blanket statement, you know, like, you know, like. We're going to take over your town and that's how it is. You know, it's, there's, 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 I mean, that's how it is, but there's a lot behind that. A lot behind that. 
the door of mercy and grace it had its moments of being open but now it's closed you see now it's closed well you know we're not we're no longer in the war footing now we're in the inheritance footing but in the war footing you know in the earlier parts of Joshua the war footing that's what was happening the door was closed and now it's time of judgment for these towns it's the same thing today the door of mercy it's still open but it's cracked not crack like there's a crack in it. I mean, crack like it's barely open. It will close. And once it closes, now you come into the judgment side. Just like we see in the, these inheritance land passages. The war footing. Now, what's the war footing of the Christian? It's not according to the law. It's according to grace. The rules of engagement are according to the new covenant, not the old covenant. And what do the rules of engagement as new covenant believers? We lead with peace. We're dropping leaflets. We're dropping leaflets. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. This is how it's going to be. Judgment is coming. But, you know, you, you align with Christ. But you have a choice to make. We're dropping leaflets. That's the framework for new covenant believers. We're dropping leaflets. Now, when I say we're dropping leaflets, what does that look like? We're going fishing. We're going fishing. You see? But as a blanket statement, to be fishers of men, there needs to be a lot of wisdom in that. A lot of wisdom in that. And the leading of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because people say, oh, I'm going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to go minister to the prostitutes. And what happens? They become customers. Oh, I'm going to minister to the meth heads. And what happens? They become users. Don't forget, Satan's a fisherman too. And so we go in, you know, with our leaflets. Metaphysically speaking. But we go in with the good news. Proclaiming Jesus Christ. You see, being sent out as sheep among wolves, as Jesus says. But in the law, I mean, to end Joshua 16 is okay, they became forced laborers. It's like, <laughs> sometimes people read that, you know, non-believers, mockers of the last days, you see, oh, forced laborers, there's slavery this and slavery that. But do you remember in our previous studies? It's not so bad to be a slave in Israel, in the camp of Israel. It's not such a bad thing. Because remember, there is a, in the law, there is a period for servanthood. Now, in the law, there's a provision for grafting, but it's a choice to be grafted into the camp of Israel. It's a choice. Ball's in your court. You see? Where, say you and me were... We're in a town and, you know, the leaflets came and we had opportunity to leave our town. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had opportunity to leave our town and align ourselves to the camp of Israel. But we didn't do that. You see? And, you know, now the warriors, that that door of mercy and grace is closed. Now the warriors of Israel, 
the qualified warriors of Israel. Now they're coming, they're town by town by town by town by town. And now all of a sudden, you know, it, it comes to our town. And we figure, oh my goodness, we're toast. Here they come, you know, nice to know you. I had a good time and okay, you know, say goodnight. And these warriors, we've seen town by town by town by town, they're taking over. And the warriors of that town, they've been killed. Sometimes the, you know, the, the, the everybody in that town has been killed. And so they're coming town by town by town. Now we're next. And we see them. We look outside the window and we can see them. Oh my goodness, they're getting closer and closer. I look at you, you look at me. Okay, nice knowing you. It was a fun ride and, you know, say goodnight. You know, it's, it's our time. And they get closer and closer and closer. And we respect like, you know, okay, they're going to kill us. They're going to slaughter us. They're going to do all these things. And all of a sudden they say, hey, how you doing? You know, it's like, what? Because remember, in accordance to the law, they're leading by peace. In accordance to the law, they're leading by peace. And then they give us, give us leaflets. We didn't, we didn't realize that this was happening in all those other towns. We just saw town by town by town by town. And now that we're, we're, we look out the window, we're thinking, okay, you know, nice knowing you. You know, it was a fun ride and okay, say goodnight. They're getting closer and closer. Now we can see their faces. They're getting closer and closer. The guy is like right in our face. He's like, you know, hey, how you doing? And we're like taking aback, Like, what? I thought he was going to kill us. I thought he was going to slaughter us. And he wants to know how we're doing. And then he gives us a leaflet. And we read the leaflet. Okay, we're going to be toast. As we thought, we're going to be toast. But what does this say right here? We have an option for peace? I didn't even know. Those other towns, they had an option for peace? And they rejected the peace? And wow. So now we know why these towns were taken over. And yes, our town is going to be taken over. But these warriors, they're leading by peace. And now the ball's in our court. We could say, okay. Okay, I accept your peace. I accept your peace. And so the town gets taken over. And now you and me, we're servants. We become servants, forced laborers. Placed under tribute. Now, in the course of time, say it's two years later, and we're in that contract of forced labor. We're in that contract of forced labor. And, you know, we have some people that we know, and they're like, you know what? I hate Israel. I hate the Jews because I hate this forced labor. Well, they made their choice. They hate the forced labor. They hate the Jews. They hate Israel. Okay. But I look at you, you look at me, and... Man, you know, <clears throat> I thought this forced labor was going to be, like, terrible. But the guy who's in charge of us, our master, he's a pretty nice guy. He's a pretty nice guy. And, yeah, our town has, be been, has been taken over, but it's kind of better now. It's kind of better when we didn't have the... Or now that we don't have the Molex and the Bales and the Asterith, it, 
I mean, call me crazy, but it's kind of better now. What are you thinking? You look at me, you know, there we are working away. You know, we're in, we're placed under tribute. We're doing labor as servants, as slaves. And then you look at me and I ask this, you know, does it seem to you like it's better when now that we're under the God of Israel, does it seem better to you than when we had the Moleks and the Baals? And you kind of whisper, you're like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have the same master. And I say, well, what do you think of our master? He's kind of a, he's kind of a nice guy, you know? Like, I kind of like him. It sounds weird. He's our, you know, he, he's, we serve him. We're in forced labor. But, man, I mean, like, he's a nice guy. I like him. What do you think? And you smile and you're like, yeah, he, I like him. You know, he, he's a really, really nice guy. A couple years pass and, man, you know what? It's, it's pleasing to serve him. You see, that process? I say process, but look at how to say process doesn't really do it justice. Because... Look at that process of you and me, but look at the process of the Jew, the one who we've fallen in love with. Because first generation out of Egypt, I mean, think of the callousness in the heart of Israel when they have been in captivity for hundreds of years to all of a sudden be in the wilderness. Think of that carnal just the carnality you know i was going to say the carnal hatred but you know it's it's not just carnal hatred just think of the carnal nature of being freshly rescued from captivity and when i say that you might think well what is he talking about well if you and me were captive somewhere and then all of a sudden, we're free some. We're, we're free. We're no longer in captivity. And we're free. The carnal nature would be, I hate those captors. I hate the captors. And you know what? I'm going to kill them all. You know, all this, the, the people who are left over, I'm going to kill them all. Come on, let's go to war. Let's get our arms. Let's gather our friends. And let's kill them all for what they did to us. How dare they do that? Let's kill them all. Now, that's the carnal nature. That's of the flesh. And for Israel to be in the wilderness and for the Lord to deal with the flesh of Israel so that their, their hearts become soft again. And then, you know, the parent dies and then they have a kid and train him well. And then they have a kid and train and the, the women, the, everybody that's trained. Because this is second generation Israel. So now the process for, you know, now that's one example. Now let's go back to the other example where you and me, we've been taken captive. You know, our town's been taken over and, you know, we're, we're in, we're, we're forced labor, we're servants. And there's a process that happens in our hearts where it's like, wow, you know what? This, our, our town is better under the God of Israel, under the Jews, under Israel, the God of their, their God. Our, our, our land is better than when we were under Baal. And then, you know, years pass and it's like, wow, I, I really like our master. 
And you say the same thing. You know what? Me too. I really like our master. Like several years pass even further. You know what? I'm falling in love with our master. You kind of lean into me and you say, you know what? Me too. I love the guy. He's such a nice guy. I love him. More time passes and it's like, I can't believe how much I love this. I love my master. I love being, you know, in the camp. I, you know, well, no longer camp. It's like the town now. I love being here. I love this environment. We don't have the bail. We don't have the asterisk. We don't have the molek. We don't have this and the under there. God, everything is so beautiful. Everything is so glorious. I didn't realize it at the time. Then you kind of feel bad for the towns that were taken over. Like, you know, they had their, their offer of peace. They Because now we understand that Israel, they lead by peace. You see? And there's a process that's happening in our hearts as servants, as slaves. There's a process happening in our hearts. But don't forget the heart of the master too. Because first generation in that carnal nature would be like, all right, let's kill Egypt. Let's kill them all. This isn't happening. So let's kill them all. How dare they do this? Let's, let's kill them all. And all these townspeople, they're a threat to us. Let's kill them all. Do this. There's that bitterness the carnal nature. Well, wait a second. You say, you know that 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 that's that that mentality is not a good thing, and but they're doing it now as they inherit the land. They're killing. They're doing. But don't forget, they're vessels of the Lord now, and only qualified vessels. The disqualified vessels, like Achan, nope, doesn't work that way. They lose when there's Achan. Because vessels of the Lord are clean before the Lord. Vessels of the Lord are not dirty. Old Testament, New Testament. Vessels of the Lord are clean before the Lord. Vessels of the Lord are not dirty. And only the clean can clean. Look at the process that happened now. <clears throat> In that framework, you and me, our town's been taken over. In the course of time, we've fallen in love with our master. We've fallen in love with the God of Israel. But our ma the, that's a process within us. But the process within the master as well. That root of bitterness is not there. We love our master. He's a really nice guy. I mean, we look at passages of slavery. I'm not like advocating slavery at all. But even today... You and me, we're slaves to something. Slave of Christ or slave of sin? Slave of Christ or slave of sin? I meant when Paul would speak, I'm an ambassador in chains. He's a slave to Christ. Oh, but he's free. He's Roman. He's Roman. He denied that. You see? Now when you see in perspective these Old Testament examples, now you understand the framework even deeper. Remember the the two strippers example from Sunday just so happens on Sunday we spoke about the two strippers. 
You see, they come to Christ. They were a they were slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. And then the leaflets came. And then they made a choice. The leaflets came. The leaflets come before the sword. Don't forget. The leaflets come before the sword. The two strippers. They read the leaflets like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Okay, but you know, this isn't so bad. So, okay, I accept your offer of peace. Now remember, this isn't baby Christian. This isn't uh, adolescent Christian or mature Christian that goes into the room with the two strippers. This is deadly Christian, warrior Christian that goes into the room of the two, two, two strippers. You see? Just like Aiken. Aiken, loss. You lose. With Aiken, you lose. I mean, Aiken goes into the room with two strippers. You know, it doesn't work that way. No baby, no adolescent, no mature. Deadly. We're not talking Aiken. This is like far from Aiken. He is the one that goes in. Now the two strippers, they read the leaflets. The, the deadly, the deadly warrior doesn't go in and you know, you know, with you know, hey, I'm gonna kill you. No, he goes in with leaflets. Hey, how you doing? Let's talk. Let's talk. They talk. They laugh. They have a good time. Good conversation. Beautiful, beautiful conversation. I mean, picture the two strippers. They're in that room. And then a guy walks in. Maybe, oh, here's a Christian. Oh, he's Bible thumping. You know, he's going to talk about his Bible thumping. All this. Oh, my goodness. I can't stand Christians. Uh, here he goes. He's going to start talking. And then after about 20 seconds, they realize, wait, this is a nice guy. Ten seconds in, they're like, wow, this is a nice guy. I met it in. Wow, I really like this guy. Five minutes in, man, this is a really nice guy. Now, their mindset is very carnal, very worldly. And so, ah, I really like this guy. So, hey, I want to get chummy. Hey, I want, but remember, we're, this is deadly, deadly Christian. Is it, listen, you know, that, that, ain't, that ain't working and, you know, you know, let's continue our beautiful conversation. But, you know, listen, that's not happening. So they continue in the conversation. Leaflets. This is leaflet mode. You see? After about two hours, three hours, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful conversation. Three Christians come out. Three Christians emerge. You take, it's a guy, a deadly guy, and two strippers, former strippers, because now they're Christians. Now, they dress a certain way. They look a certain way. They behave a certain way because the framework of their understanding is worldly. 
Now this deadly warrior has these two former strippers. Let's get you cleaned up. Now, you look at the vessels inside the church. You look at the women inside the church. Qualified women. Where the formula is right. A beautiful aroma unto the Lord. They see the deadly Christian come with these two ladies. Former strippers. Like, well, you know. Just picture that. Picture that for a moment. I mean, they, the strippers, they probably behave a certain way. They speak a certain way. They might cuss. Their wardrobe is probably very worldly and, you know, emphasis on very worldly, maybe very, very worldly. But they're now Christians. They're babies. What do they know? They don't know the things of the Lord. They don't know the deep things of the Lord. All they know is that they believe in Jesus Christ and they love him and they've committed their life to Jesus Christ. Now the warrior can enter the church, introduce these former these two former strippers to these older women. These women who are qualified, the biblical qualifications, not for pastor, not the formula for pastors, not the formula for elders, but the formula of godliness. Now the two women, as vessels of the Lord, as warriors of the Lord, only the clean can clean. The the way you know, what if it's one woman? The two strippers are now introduced to one woman, and this woman is like off the charts, godly. Not gonna hey hey guy, what are you bringing these strippers here for? They're strippers. Get them out of here. No. Formula. Formula. Everybody's the same mind. The mind of Christ. Let's get you cleaned up. You know? Hey, sister. I want you to meet this lady. I want you to meet this lady. And, you know, look, they're new believers in Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord. Now you have four Christians together. Warrior guy. Warrior lady. And... Two former strippers, babies in Christ. You see? And these two former strippers, now they're under the leadership. Not as pastor, not as elder, but they're under the leadership of deadly women. Now the deadly woman teaches, hey, let's go shopping, you know, let's go to the store, let's get you some, let's get you some turtlenecks, you know, let's get you some pants, let's get you some turtlenecks. We don't have to get makeup, you're good on the makeup, you're good for, you know, the next 20 years, you're good for the rest of your life, you don't have to get the makeup anymore. Let's get, you know, your wardrobe, let's burn it all. Look, we got this, you know, this, this metal canister. We got it specifically for this reason, to burn the old. We're going to have a nice bonfire. A nice little barbecue. You see? Burn it all. 
You see how beautiful that is? And now these two former strippers, now they're learning the things of the Lord, the ways of righteousness. And the two former strippers are in the process of getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and more pure and more pure and more pure day by day by day by day cleaner and in time in time they're exquisitely beautiful now you have four warriors four warriors who can go and drop leaflets in a dirty world. You see? Warrior guy, warrior lady, going fishing. And then on top of that, you have more warrior guys, more warrior ladies, and everybody's going fishing in a dirty, 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 rotten world. Everybody a slave to sin. And under this framework, the two former strippers, they thought like, oh man, I can't believe I'm going to church and this and that. And, you know, I used to go to church. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go to church. When I was a little girl, I used to go to church and this and that's so boring. It's so stupid. But then they realized that the first time in church, they're like, wow, this is, they're really like soaking it all up, soaking up the word. Remember, they're in sponge mode and they're soaking up the word of God and they're learning and they're like, whoa, I've never heard it like this before. Oh my goodness. And they're learning the ways of righteousness. You see, yes, they were a slave to sin. And in choosing Christ, they became slaves of Christ. But then they realize, wow, being a slave of Christ, it's not so bad. And then they start to fall deeper and deeper and deeper. And oh my goodness, I'm a slave of Christ. But you know what? I love it. I love it. I'm so in love with him. You see? So when we look at this framework of Joshua 16 and we see like, wow, forced labor, you know, carnal people, mockers of last days, you see it's forced labor, it's in the Bible and that's slavery and that's so bad, it's so wicked and wow, how dare you, you Bible thumpers, you're so stupid because you like slavery. Well, it's not so bad. Slave of sin, that's terrible. Slave of Christ, you see, servant of Christ, it's not so bad. And I say it from experience. I've been a slave of both. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see? From the very beginning, ball was in people's courts. Even today, balls in my court, balls in your court. Choose this day whom you will serve. We're going to end our study here, pick up in chapter 17 next week. But to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.